Okay, we're back. Back for more. A second helping of Inappropriate Earl this week. We're not really sticking to the plan of releasing every Thursday, but I'll do my best to adhere to a uh, tighter schedule. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yesterday, I had the privilege of having the hot new band from South Carolina, Lovely World, uh, come on the podcast. And they had a show at the Viper Room tonight, Tuesday the 7th. So I released it uh, late Monday night. And uh, now today, I haven't had a chance to let you guys know what me and Chandler did over the holidays. We went to uh, good old Decatur, Alabama and uh, spent the holidays with her family. So please welcome back the lovely and talented Chandler Barbie. Soon to be Chandler Skagel. Uh, <laughs> Earl doesn't like to let anyone know, but we're engaged now. You got to play it cool, man. <laughs> now he wants to delete the podcast. <laughs> Play it cool, man. This isn't a social media platform. This is a big business podcast. This is mommy, mommy woman on the phone. Oh wait, that's a Danish and O'Neill podcast. Uh, so we saw a few movies. We thought we'd review. You know, Alabama doesn't have the most uh, happening nightlife. So uh, yeah. By the way, quick shout out to Planet Fitness, who uh, we were there for I think five days. We went to Planet Fitness four out of the five days in Decatur, Alabama, and they didn't charge us a dollar. <laughs> yeah, they let us work out for free the whole time. I'm not I sure. I think I paid one day, and they're like, "Okay, you're good for the rest of the week." Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, if I'm the owner of that uh, Planet Fitness in Decatur, Alabama, if I'm uh, happy with that business model. But uh, what a gym Planet Fitness is. Uh, I liked it. It was pretty clean. I don't think anyone goes. Very clean. It was never crowded. Right at the front desk, there's two huge jugs of Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> and they have Pizza Thursdays. Uh, which is kind of brilliant marketing. If you own a gym and you keep the members fat, they'll always come back. Yeah. It's like the uh, fly trying to get out of the glass, hitting the same spot. You know... You're not going to get skinny if you're going to eat Tootsie Rolls and enjoy Planet Fitness Pizza Thursdays. Uh, and it was a weird, uh, they don't have a lot of free weights. Like it's not a muscle head gym. No, you can't wear tank tops there. Yeah, you can't wear boots, tank tops, uh, string, any string tank top shirts. Uh, you, can't, you can't drop weights. Yeah, I mean. No uh, jugs of water. So, which if you've ever seen like the super fitness dudes and bodybuilding types they have like a huge jug of uh it's usually an arrowhead like 64 ounce uh, uh plastic co uh, container of water and and their amino drinks or god knows what uh they have in there uh, yeah so it, it's uh i really it's really like their commercials uh like no lunkheads i think they is like their tagline uh and I, I enjoyed it, although I don't know if there's, I think there's a Planet Fitness you said in Burbank. Yeah, I heard it's not as good as the one in Alabama, which makes sense. But it's nice when we go home to be able to go there. So. Yeah, and it's definitely easy on the pocket. Uh, I think there is a Planet Fitness in uh, like Culver City area, but we're never really down there. So uh, I don't think I would make that drive to go there. But uh, Yeah, the Equinox we go to, 
just to put in reference, the Equinox we go to is $250 to $300 a month. It and is. this Planet Fitness is $10 a month. $10 a month. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, that's crazy, and it's like that's you, cheaper than a fitness class in LA. I mean, just to put that into perspective, Peloton, uh, I think is like forty-two dollars a month. Plus, you have to buy a two thousand uh, dollar bike, uh, bike, and uh, I'm assuming you have to pay someone to set it up. Uh, uh, yeah, so, even the boxing gym we go to is like thirty-two dollars every class. Yeah, it's so. Uh, I mean, LA, it's not. Uh, very cheap to work out uh, but it's a great it's like owning a bar if you own a gym in la it, it's almost guaranteed to never go out of business yeah because you uh because everyone's vain here if you own any kind of vain service you'll make money whether you're a facialist a gym owner hairstylist plastic surgeons but, I mean, gyms are great because, you know, obviously it's a limited amount of people who can be in a room. Uh, but most people, I would say 80% of all people who are members at gyms don't show up. And then the 20% are the ones who show up every day. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and they people are too lazy to cancel. Like, oh, I'll, come, I'll go next week. I'll start next week. So they keep the membership. I'll go the next week. You know, I got family in town. You know, it's an endless amount of excuses. That's true. So uh, thank you, Planet Fitness, for showing love. And a shout out to uh, Stand Up Live in Huntsville for not returning my uh, calls. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. So if you're in the uh, Alabama area and you want to go see uh, Earl Skakel doing stand up, uh, apparently it won't be at Stand Up Live. Appreciate oh, and shout out to Earl's fan he met at Planet Fitness. I for what's his? I forgot his name. John. I John. Will, we won't say his last name, but I'm in the uh, locker room at Planet Fitness, and uh, once again, there's no one in there. It's very clean, uh, unlike the West Hollywood 24 hour fitness that looks like a a towel and water truck blew up in the locker room. Uh, I, I think putting my uh, iPad together to watch my 80s butt rock videos for an hour. And uh, this guy comes up to me and he goes, are you Earl? And I kind of he hesitated. I'm like, uh, yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm a big fan. And, you know, the podcast and your stand-up. So, uh, You're so famous. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it was neat. You know, everyone... At least I do. I love to be recognized. Everyone comment on Earl's next Instagram post. Just say, you're so famous. Yeah, yeah. And uh, start up bombarding uh, Huntsville uh, stand-up live. I'll never perform. I'm like Ricky Gervais with stand-up live in Huntsville. I'm never going back. Maybe you emailed the wrong person. No, I emailed <laughs> the right person. So, uh, should we just open a comedy club in Huntsville competing with them right in the same parking lot? <laughs> Call it Earl's World. And I'm just kidding, uh, Earl's Cellar. By the way, I will be headlining the comic strip in Edmonton. Big breaking news it's not for another six months until July, but uh, you Canadians uh, start uh, getting your uh, plans in order for I think it's uh. The 26th through the 29th. Who knows what uh, things are in store for that weekend. Maybe I'll have a meet and greet at Earl's, which is right across 
the it's not the street it's in the edmonton mall it's right across the uh what is earl's a restaurant yeah it's like a uh like like, like kind of like an upscale applebee's uh like type. sounds like something you know so uh you know that's uh not for a few more months though thank you to uh, tammy and rick bronson always taking care of the daddy man so uh but uh like i said the the lack of nightlife uh made me and chandler go see a few movies uh in alabama and uh we'll start with the first one we saw which was uh bombshell yeah which is the um it's the movie about the takedown of fox news yeah i almost it's almost like a, a documentary with actors in it uh and uh I don't know. I, I compared it a lot to the Showtime uh, miniseries. Uh, that was the same storyline. In that one, you had Russell Crowe yeah. playing Roger Ailes. In this one, you had the uh, great actor John Lithgow. And then you had, uh, and Chandler's probably more... Uh, I'm not texting. I'm looking at the IMDb. So. No, no. Chandler's probably more uh, uh, knowledgeable about the actresses. Uh, you had Nicole Kidman. Charlize Theron. Who was uh, played... Uh, Megan Kelly mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, Margaret or Margot Robbie playing uh, Gretchen Carlson, I think. Or was that uh, Nicole Kidman was Gretchen Carlson? Nicole Kidman was Gretchen. And uh, it's a great story, even if you don't like politics, really, because it's, uh, you know, shows you the um, the inner workings of a network and how they operated. Um, yeah, I think... So here's some initial thoughts. Um, well, we saw it in the South. So it was a pretty, it was, first of all, very difficult to find somewhere that played the movie because where I am from is very conservative and they like Fox News. So it out of the many movie theaters that were there, there was only two that were showing the movie. And so we had to drive to the next town to see it. And it was a very small theater, so it's kind of funny, but whatever. The thing I'll say about the movie that annoys me is, one, Margot Robbie's character isn't a real person. At first, I thought it was t- maybe like Tommy uh, Lauren or Lauren, whatever you say, because it resembles her a lot with that, like, Christian. If you didn't see the movie, sorry, I'm spoiling it. But she has this, like, Christian goody two-shoes demeanor. Well, let's be honest. If you didn't see the movie by now, you're probably not going to see it. Uh, so uh, if you are still on the fence about seeing it, I, I would turn off the podcast now. Yeah, and, uh, there's going to be spoilers on this and the Star, Star Wars, Wars movie. movie. And I'm going to tell you now because I accidentally spoiled the ending of you on Twitter recently and someone got mad at me. So you know what? I give you a two-week span, and if you don't see it in those two weeks, sorry, fair game. Yeah, this is not a uh, Colby Covington uh, thing where we're trying to spoil the podcast uh, or trying to spoil the movies for those of you who don't get that reference uh uh, Colby Covington's a UFC fighter. He's uh, created this bad guy persona, like he's a Conor McGregor, Rick Rude type, and he would go on Twitter and spoil the endings of movies for like Star Wars and all these. I love that. Uh, and the fans hated him because like, he'd be like, hey, if you're going to go see the new, uh, I think it was uh, Last Jedi, this is what happens at the end. So, so funny. Uh, yeah, so if you are uh, still haven't seen Bombshell or the uh, the Rise of Skywalker, uh, uh, just stop listening now and go, Chandler. 
Okay, so Margot Robbie's character, Kayla, was not based on a real person. The movie is supposed to be based loosely on a true story, and she's the only person in the story that was invented for the film. I feel like her character is probably just a combination of real-life people and experiences, so they just rolled everything into a character to save money, time, whatever, and tell the story efficiently. That's fine, but you make it seem like that's a real person. So it was very confusing because I don't know if that actually happened or not. And um, when you're telling stuff about a Me Too movement, I think it's best to stay more towards the truth, which brings me to my next point. The whole movie should be about Gretchen, Nicole Kidman's character. I get it was this whole thing they based on Megyn Kelly and her dilemma, but Megyn Kelly wasn't the main victim here. It was Gretchen. Gretchen's the one who really stuck her her neck out and, you know, was the one that was recording things for years, and that's why I like the Showtime show better is it was more of her struggle and how hard it was. And then the bullshit ending tagline is, well, she also has recordings of you. That, was, that wasn't an unknown fact. That was known throughout the whole investigation. That was known throughout the whole trial. That's not like a, ooh, there's a twist at the end. So the writing in that was kind of dumb. because Especially because the Showtime show came out first. I'm not sure which was filmed first. But the Showtime show, I feel like, did a better job at executing the story because he did a lot of really fucked up things to women. He's a pig. Yeah. And and I feel like they just kind of loosely said the things he did. And the Showtime show was called The Loudest Voice, miniseries. I think it was five parts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it was really good. Well, I mean, Russell Crowe's like, and John Lithgow's. I thought. Uh, I thought they both did good. Yeah. I just think, I don't think they gave John much to work off with Roger. I think the main story was, you could like, Charlize Theron did a great Megyn Kelly impression. You could, shout out to the uh, the makeup, the hair and makeup, and stuff. The only person I thought in the uh, bombshell who didn't look like the person they were playing was Geraldo Rivera who uh, even though he wasn't like a huge part of the story it it, it was it's just like they did such a good job with everyone else like you thought you were watching the actual people yeah uh, even like the uh, Hannity and everything I mean Hannity I I found it weird that they didn't really feature him a lot uh either they like him and they didn't uh it might have been hard with lawsuits and stuff too because because they kind of went in on Bill O'Reilly a little bit yeah. for, you know, he's had a, a couple uh, sexual uh, harassment uh, claims. Uh, I think he paid like $60 million or something, or mm-hmm. Fox paid for him. So I thought uh, it was interesting. They didn't really go after O'Reilly and Hannity, uh, even though it's a story about Roger Ailes, that they're, those two are huge parts of Fox News. Yeah. Um. So overall, I just think... The concept of the movie coming out around this time was smart. I don't think it was executed properly. I think there's a lot of things they could have done better personally. But hey, that's just my opinion. I mean, I like The Loudest Voice better because it's on uh, 
what is Showtime considered cable? Just basic cable? Uh, no, it's premium. Premium cable. Uh, so you could go in a little deeper. and Or you could stream it because it's like unrated. But I think you could go in a little more like, uh, I think uh, you're right. Like John Lithgow was kind of hamstrung of like, hey, dude, we, we have to get like a PG or, or whatever. I don't know what the and movie was And they were more rated. of tiptoeing around what he did. Yeah. with Especially with the Kayla character. And it's like, mm, just come out and say it, you know? Yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, with the Showtime show, I mean, Russell Crowe, like, I think they showed him, like, grabbing his dick at one point. And mm-hmm. Not that that makes it that much better, but you, you got a truer sense for what a pig Roger Ailes was. Yeah. Um, it's like when they do, there will ine- inevitably be a Harvey Weinstein movie or a miniseries or something. And uh, good luck casting that in the lead. Uh, it's fun- be funny if they got Roger or... Uh, they got Russell the guy, Crow again. or what if they got the guy from Survivor? Oh yeah, Dan, the casting director, uh, <laughs> or whatever he was. Agent. He's an agent. Um, it's probably not anything right now, but uh, I always like uh, premium cable shows better because uh, you know, like Sons There's of Anarchy, freedom. I thought was a great show on premium cable because yeah. you know they could you know go for it and say language that bikers would probably say versus a movie. You couldn't really do some of the things. You know, right. What's I and mean, it, and two, I think they're careful just because if they want it, I think they were making this movie to potentially be Oscar nominated, and you have to consider what you shoot if you want it to hopefully be nominated for award shows. Well, I think so many movies get uh, like there's a William Friedkin movie called Cruising, and it's a great Al Pacino movie. Uh, and it was 1980. And it's a story about um, an undercover cop who goes into the gay uh, nightclub world to catch a serial killer. And it's pretty graphic. I mean, originally, I think he got an X rating. Mm. <laughs> it's a major movie. And then... Uh, for gay sex or for violence? Um, both. Uh, I mean, it was... Uh, even the final cut was like pretty... Uh, We'll have to watch it. Uh, How old were you when you watched it? Twelve. I was well, nineteen eighty. So I, when I first saw it, uh, yeah, I was twelve years old, and I obviously the didn't fuck? get the. Well, my parents didn't really care what movies we watched. Uh, yeah, that's like my dad let me watch Predator when I was like five, and my mom was like, "What are you? What are you doing?" I mean, Predator's a pretty harmless movie. But to a five-year-old, would you let our five-year-old watch Predator? Um, I probably. Mean, <laughs> I, I would let uh, a, a child watch. Uh, an action movie like predators like it's probably scary to a, a child but you know in that particular movie uh and it's one of my favorite movies because they didn't blow their wad you know you don't see the predator till literally the last 15 minutes of the movie yeah so uh which i love because it, it built up this anticipation that's how they did godzilla and jaws and everything too yeah i mean jaws i mean but those were movies that all have one thing in common no shitty cgi i mean uh so um but i like uh but getting back to cruising like they edited it so badly to get an r rating that they ruined the movie uh and i thought that uh bombshell was clearly like okay we can't really have him rubbing his dick in the office which he did uh we can't show him forcing himself on i think it was gretchen carlson at Mm -hmm. one point which he did uh so it's just like a and i don't buy the thing which i don't know i can't say but i don't know the like they at times would say megan kelly 
was sexually assaulted by him, but then she wasn't, but then she almost was, but then it kept going back and forth. I'm like, well, was she or was she not? Did she help the Me Too movement or did she not? Because I don't think she did at this point. Gretchen really was the one that did. And I feel like you guys didn't give her much of a storyline and it really annoys me. I mean, I think what Megyn Kelly did for the Me Too movement was in the one press conference or no uh, presidential debate it was the first presidential debate mm-hmm. where, and it, i thought it was pretty funny by trump the answer he gave when she's like you've called women, women dogs pigs, pigs dogs yeah. and trump was like only rosie o'donnell but it was just his comic timing it was pretty funny as a uh, a comic i think trump's a better comic than president but uh, hey what the hell do i know uh but yeah, I thought Gretchen Carlson. Well, she's not the uh she was like the B team version, I think, of Megan Kelly. So it's yeah. That's why she probably, you know, wasn't the storyline, even though without her there is no movie. Yeah. Uh but you know, that's Hollywood. You know, who's hotter? Okay, we'll we'll make them the focus. So uh but well, you that's know. like the Me Too movement didn't really get going. I mean, the first article came out. But it wasn't until bigger celebrities were like, hey, yeah, that happened to me, too, that they were like, oh, we should take this serious. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when Rose McGowan came out, it was like, okay, she's... uh," But even though in her case, it's like, oh, she's a little older, she shaved the head, uh, you know, we're going to wait for, like... uh, I think Ashley Judd came out and said Weinstein. uh, Well, I remember, too, during the peak of it all, someone asked Megan Fox... What she thought Megan about Kelly? it. Megan Fox, oh, the okay, actress Megan. from Transformers. I remember in high school when Megan Fox stopped doing Transformers, it was because, what's the director's name? Razor? No. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. So there had been some ill miscommunication, possibly, and sexualization by him to her at a very young age. She was like 20. And she apparently had spoken. And I remember this happening. She had spoken out about it in 2007. And everyone was like, well, you know what? You just need to like grow up and stop whining. And like you are a sex symbol and you can't pose like this and expect men not to flaunt after you. Like they just like ripped her to shreds for it and was like, you're not being me too because that lingo didn't exist yet. And now, 12 years later, or 10 years later, when this all started, all this stuff come out. So they asked her what she thought, and she's like, you know, I think this is great, but this is just trendy right now. And this was happening to me 10 years ago, and Hollywood didn't give a fuck until it it was a big thing, and everyone was telling their story. So I've already told my story, and I've buried the hatchet, and I don't want to talk about it again. So it's interesting how... Now, even in the Me Too movement or whatever movement is going on, it doesn't matter until a bigger name comes out or a bigger... Does that make sense what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I've gone over this uh, story a million times. I was Me Too. Yeah, I was too. And I, I can't name any female I know in the film industry that wasn't at one point, or in a lot of males too, that wasn't... Um either sexually assaulted or put in a very uncomfortable situation by a superior. 
But I think it, it and it also happens a lot more to men than people think, you know, because yeah. uh, I, you know you can't say fifty percent, forty percent, but a fair amount of casting people are gay. Uh, you know, uh, c- camera guys working the auditions are gay. Uh, and it's know. like they dangle the one thing you want in front of you. Oh yeah, in my case, it was meeting Brittany Murphy, uh, and then it like offers <laughs> got a little more uh, bizarre. But uh, Earl, just know. give me this massage on my pee pee. I mean, well, I mean, it started out by the guy like unrobing in his office uh, on the Fox the uh, lot, uh, asking me to look at his testicles because his balls were bruised and he because he just ran a marathon. And it's like, come on, dude, where's Brittany Murphy? <laughs> so I actually meet her. He take you know, it, oh, yeah, didn't you go to his house and he was like trying to get you in, to go in his RV or something? Yeah, I meet her. And, and so that was fine. And then, uh, you know, a couple days later, I was like, well, I'll, I'll give this guy one more chance now that he knows nothing's going to happen. I mean, how stupid was that? So he said, come to my house. I said, it's got to be in the daytime. Uh, so he takes me to the Beverly Hills uh, hotel, not the polo lounge, what but they have, the? a, they have a diner there. Yeah. And it's a great, I, I don't know if it's there anymore, but it, it, it's like a, I like a Johnny Rockets type, like burgers and fries. and uh, They're probably $100 a burger. Well, he was paying, so I, I, I don't know what the burger was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so we go back to his house, probably one, two in the afternoon, small talk. Oh, you're funny. I'm going to help you, blah, blah, blah. Did he have a nice house? Oh, yeah. It was, it was like this guy was the real deal at Fox. Uh, so uh, then I see out of the corner of my eye, I see this beautiful uh, wagon. What do they call the wagons on movie sets? A honey star, wagon. Honey star wagon, wagon or star wagon? Star wagon. So it's where the stars stay in, in between uh, shooting. And uh, But this one looked a lot nicer than anyone I'd ever seen before. So I'm like, hey, what's that out it's there? It's probably his personal one. Well, no, he was like, oh, David Duchovny uh, gave me that for X-Files. Yeah, so he probably takes on every set he does. Because anyway, I'm not just, anymore because he's dead. But uh, so I, I said, can I go check it out? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. I said, you got to stay in here though. Dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm giving this guy every opportunity to go. Hey, it ain't happening. And then uh, you turn around. And he's like, lock the door of the RV, and he's like, well, I go in there. It's a beautiful. I mean, it's like I'll never forget. It's like a king size bed and uh like a marble kitchenette like and uh and then all of a sudden so i'm looking around i'm looking under the bed like oh how much room do you get in these things and then you feel something on your butt no i feel uh <laughs> something in my butt hello <laughs> uh mama, mama, mama. that's for the danish and o'neill fans uh and then i turn around and he's like opening the door in his underwear it's like come on dude, where's Brittany murphy hello uh but so it happens to guys, and I've been... Uh, He's like, this is Brett Murphy, and pulls his pee-pee out. <laughs> I mean, now that I you know do more voiceovers, I, that's a little more like you don't have to face it in that But world. just think how many young studs probably were sexually assaulted by him. You know what I mean? Because oh. you were what, in your 20s? Uh, yeah, I was mid-20s, uh, later 20s probably. It's always vulnerable 20-year-olds. Like when I... Uh, I won't get into too many details because it's. But do, a story I mean, that don't matter. name names, but like it's important I for won't. like people think you know this is a podcast where primarily we're joking around and talking about movies and Planet Fitness, but like you know Chandler's been in the business now for nine years. Yeah. So she's seen a lot. Uh, I mean, God knows what she's been offered, and uh, so I think it's important that you know fans and. I mean, personally, when I was uh, twenty, I think. 
or maybe 21 at the time, uh, a boss of mine, which I was on a movie in North Carolina and I was a PA, a production assistant, and I was on an all-male production team like in my department. And I was the youngest one and they were all like my brothers and my boss who was an assistant director. I will never work with again. And if he ever is on any of my shows, I will fire him immediately. He said, Oh, let me walk you back to your hotel room. Cause we'd had some drinks and then he like had roofied me and stuff, you know? And it's one of those things where then you're like, if I say anything, I'm going to lose my job. And this is the only, like this, I was so young in the industry. I was like, this is, I was working on the biggest, I think uh, Max was a universal movie, but I was working on one of the biggest universal movies of the summer. And so it was a huge deal and it was a really big pay. And I've had multiple friends have issues like that. Like I knew a girl who was a production assistant a few years later and I was uh, a little higher up in the industry than her and she of some producers that were from LA were in town on the movie and took her and her friends and got them drinks. And you think, Oh, I'm having drinks with big Hollywood producers and they were giving her drugs and, you know, took them back to their hotel room and it's, and they don't remember it. And then you, and then you're like, should I tell people or not? Because you do think, do, am I going to get fired? Am I not? It's, it happens so much. I've seen it so much that I'm just like, you almost get numb to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I see it all the time in stand-up where, you know, maybe... Or you warn girls. Like, I've warned so many females, hey, I get this vibe from him or... And I've worked with some really great guys, too. Like, I work with really, really great guy, superior, and male colleagues now that are wonderful. And luckily, I'm in a position I can choose who I work with now. But... I've warned young girls like don't work with this person because of this reason and they don't listen. And you know, you have to remember they're a grown woman too and you warn them, but are they going to listen to me? I don't know. The best you can do is speak up. Oh, I do the same thing uh, with younger comics or even not even younger in age, but more inexperienced comics. I mean, I started at 30, so 32, I was inexperienced, but uh, you know, there's some predators in the comedy world, mm-hmm. you know, gay and straight. Uh, you know, there's one particular male and female. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was one particular headliner. He was like a big star in the 80s. You know, he's, he's known, uh, you know, he's out uh, and he's known for, let's just uh, saying, uh, trying to uh, take advantage of young openers. And, you know, he never had girls open for him, all dudes, good looking dudes. And, you know, one was a friend of mine. I said, hey, you know, just don't get too excited because he's probably going to try something down the road. And uh, sure enough, he did. He didn't do it, but like he tried. So, uh, you know, and, yeah. and obviously with female comics, opening acts, you know, should always be careful when a guy asks you to open for them. Yeah. It's- and I think too, as a female, I've lost jobs because I'm not that type of person, but I also am at the end of the day, hopefully respected enough now in my industry that people know that I came up trying to be as transparent and 
uh, innocent in that as possible. But I do, I think the one way to combat this going forward is, and I won't name names, but I know personally certain female comics who have told clubs or told people, I won't play here if you hire this person. And I know certain female execs and producers and even males that tell studios or tell people like, hey, just so you know, I will not work on this if this person is hired because of what they are. And, you know, we know predators that still exist that are not out to the public. And I think by people who take the step forward to put to use their clout or use their authority in a good way to say, if you allow this person's behavior to be in the same league as I am, I will no longer be a part of your organization or your movie or whatever. I think that's a really good step towards I, things. I mean, the problem is there's very few women or male comics who are in the power to say, I'm not playing here. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if this person's allowed to, or I'm not, uh, you know, if I said that, if there was someone who rubbed me the wrong way and I said, I won't, play, they'd be like, all right, don't play here, Earl. <laughs> Great. Well, we've got a hundred other people who are of your fame level. Uh, right you know so it's always nice to see like big name comics yeah. take a stand especially because i did a movie this summer that i or that i was uh, a producer on and there was a certain person they wanted to hire that was publicly a part of the me too accusations and i had heard multiple stories about this person and i raised concerns and it was not taken into account, and then we hired the person, and it was very obvious that those accusations were accurate by the way they spoke and acted on set, and I just remember thinking, hmm, this is why you need to listen to people who raise concerns, because this behavior has clearly not been checked. Well, you should always... Uh be uh listen to the other person's side i mean i'm not seeing in this particular case right. but like you know i've been accused of uh one thing in particular that i mean wasn't even remotely close to ever happening but and you know i don't think anyone believed it anyway but you know still all it takes is for one person right you, i you agree know. and i do think i do think that there is due investigation i don't at all think because i think in this day and age just your name can be tainted so quickly and i do think people can be forgiven and so there's different there's different variations of it it's just i mean in like harvey weinstein's case i think he's it, a predator. It, in new york alone 60 women are suing him uh or like, have accused him i think they're only doing two two of the 60 or the actual case which i think started today the jury selection anyway he uh, looks bad too. Well, uh, if we've learned anything from uh, Harvey Weinstein and uh, Jeffrey Epstein, it's that uh, rape is bad for your posture. Uh, <laughs> it'll give you scoliosis. Is that a new, that a new joke? Yes, I did uh, tweet that out about a couple hours ago. And Bill Cosby. I mean, he really went downhill. Should have just said it on stage. I know, but you know, I'm, uh, you know, uh, like I was telling uh, Lovely World yesterday because they hate social media and they're like. <laughs> 22 years old all of them uh sometimes uh i've noticed i've started taking a ricky gervais style comedy in on the last Twitter. two days 
No, no. It just in the last couple of months, I've been a little more like, uh, if something bothers me, I'm going to tweet it right now. And it, it's they've been some of my more popular tweets, I guess. So I get it. Uh, you know, I like to keep it real. Speak up for the little people. Um, but uh, let's get back to Star Wars. Yeah, we're not back to Rise it, of Skywalker. So you know, about the, the uh, ending uh, in terms of bombshell. Uh, you know, I would uh, I'd recommend you see it. Uh, it's probably not going to be in theaters much longer. Uh, but uh, I, I prefer The Loudest Voice, which I think you could probably stream on Showtime. See them both. You know, if you don't like uh, Fox News, you'll probably love both move or both versions of the same story. If you are, are a Fox News fan, you, you probably won't like it. Probably like the, the movie a little better because it's a little softer on um you know fox uh, mm -hmm. in general uh chandler would you what are your recommendations on which to see would you see it like would, would you see both would you see one um if you just want to see one and get the gist of the story i think the showtime one's better it's obviously longer but they both kind of tell the same story i do think the showtime one is better but if you can't if you don't have showtime or you i'm um, just watch the the movie theater one yeah i mean i love russell crowe and john lithgow about the same so i, I thought they were both pretty equal yeah uh I, I thought if you switched them out i think if you just want to see more the nitty-gritty go to the showtime show yeah because and to be honest i don't know uh kathleen kennedy uh she's the one who uh, produced or directed uh the movie yeah, and she also did Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but I would say the uh, the Showtime show was, uh, I think, done by John Heilman, who's uh, let's just say no fan of Fox News. I think he's a a consultant. Uh, and no, Jay Roach directed Bombshell, mm -hmm. but Kathleen Kennedy produced it. Um, did she have something to do with it? But, uh, no, I think we're just thinking of Kathleen because well, she did Star, Star Wars. Wars. My bad. Sorry, Kathleen. If you're out there, come on the podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about the uh, falsities. Got to be. Joe Rogan said you don't have to be necessarily accurate on podcasts. Now I'm far to argue with Papa Joe, but uh, you know I try and be. Uh, since I'm not exactly at Joe's level, I try. We just don't like doing cleanup later from Twitter. So. I don't edit, so uh, sorry, Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, we'll get to Star Wars in a She's minute. She's doing just fine. But I think uh, the the Showtime show was a little more slanted against Fox because it was done by a, a, an MSNBC contributor, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, obviously they're not going to paint Fox News, and I mean it's hard to paint Roger Ailes in a good light, but like they went a little harder on him, I thought, than the movie. Right. But like you said, they had more time. So uh, let's get to uh, the Rise of Skywalker. That was our second movie we saw. Yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, this was the movie we saw. Uh, we could have seen for free, right? Which was the movie we walked Bombshell. in? Bombshell. So we go in there. They have no humans working the kiosk. So you buy your... Uh, and this was Christmas night. Too. Yeah. You buy your ticket and uh, then someone's supposed to check you in. And we so I buy the ticket and it's only like ten bucks total. It was like crazy. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think I could live in Alabama, but I might. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't seen a $5 movie since, uh, I think, Sudden Impact in 1983 at the Avco. Uh, that was the uh, Dirty Harry movie where uh, Clint Eastwood in the cafe did the famous uh, Make My Day. Now, there's two reasons you're going to put that gun down. 
Me and my partner. Who's we, sucker? Smith and Wesson. And then he shot him. Uh, so that's a good old Clinty. Dirty Harry movie. I hope he puts out one more Dirty Harry like, he's, he's, before he goes. It's got to be one more. He's like 90 years old. He's born in 1930, so uh, that would be, uh, yeah, he's almost 90 years old, damn. Mm-hmm. That'd be crazy if, like, Dirty Harry had, like, Alzheimer's and he's just shooting random people and he's gone rogue, uh, you know. Uh, hey, if they did it for Rambo Last Blood. Yeah, I mean, Russ Stallone's, I think, 73, and he's taking out a whole wing of the Colombian cartel. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> uh, and I don't want them to do that de-aging stuff they did in The Irishman. Uh, I want him to like just show Dirty Harry at ninety. He's just gone mad, and he's like forgets who he is, and he's like. What if they him. make that movie and they don't give you any credit? Welcome to Hollywood. I'll see you on the internet. Did you know Earl met Clint Eastwood when he was in his mom's stomach? I did. My mom in nineteen sixty late. Uh, let me see. My mom. Uh, I was born in September sixty eight. So I think uh, very early sixty eight. Uh, my mom was pregnant with me and she had dinner with Clint Eastwood and, and this is you know he's still he was a pretty big star even then also impressive that someone got your mom out of the house my mom to go to dinner well it's like that girl at the comedy store is like eight months pregnant you know with twins and like she's like I personally if I was pregnant at eight months would not be at the comedy store if I was pregnant in two months, I wouldn't be at the comedy store. Uh, but my mom was at dinner with Clint Eastwood and told him at the dinner, uh, you'll never make it in this business. You're too nice. So uh, my mom would have been a shitty agent. <laughs> uh, so I think Clint's, uh, you know, he was already a pretty big star with the Spaghetti Westerns in full full bore right around then. Uh, but, uh, you know, so go see Fox News, uh, Takedown, Bombshell, the loudest voice on Showtime. And uh, now we'll get to uh, Star Wars, The uh, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, now, full disclosure, I didn't see the last one they made. Which I didn't was, either. I heard it was terrible. Uh, I, I tried to watch it on a plane, and it was so bad, I turned it off in like two minutes. So I, I missed a few of the references, uh, but... Uh, you didn't miss anything. Well, it's like the uh, Marvel movies. You know, I, I guess there's 27 of them or something. So you have to see them in order if you want to understand everything. Yeah, but if you see like half, you get the you get it. So, you know, I mean, uh, I went into this a little uh, apprehensive just because I think the last one I saw was The Force Awakens, which was in 2015. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I didn't like it. The uh, Rise of Skywalker it just seemed like uh, a hodgepodge of ideas and trying to placate the older fans and and you know you know there's so many things that just didn't make sense. This is what I think happened. I think J.J. Abrams because they did all those weird spinoff ones and the last one was so shitty how it was written. That was the Han Solo movie. Well, that one, and then they did the one right before that. I think JJ was like, you know what? Give me all back my toys. I'm going to put them back together because you've ruined the story. I think from what I could figure is he took this movie, which should have been a a two-part movie, and tried to answer and reconnect every opened ending question that has ever been in any Star Wars trilogy or movie. And because he did that, 
what should have been a five hour movie, they had to edit down into a two and a half hour movie because they wanted it to end in a three movies. Like how every set has been three movies. They wanted it to do that. So the editing is poor. It's choppy. A lot of the lines, because anything you do in a movie is supposed to progress the story, right? Any scene, any any line, anything. But because you go by that rule, I think that they just took, the movie was so long, they took the most important lines and sequences and just strung them all together. So it was like very confusing because it was like every single second you're like, well, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. If you notice, the droids had coding messages the first 30 minutes, and like the whole movie was about them trying to decode a droid. That was literally the whole movie. Because right. C-3PO couldn't decode a thing. And it was just like, what? Well, and also they brought back the Emperor, who I love. I love that guy. It's the same guy, too, from the movie, like from uh, Return of the Jedi and, uh, like, mm-hmm. what's pretty impressive. And he was old back then, like... I don't know. How, I'm looking up his name right now. Ian uh, Mc, uh, McDermott. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, he's not that old. He's 1944, so he's probably in his 70s. But, uh, like, he died at the end of uh, the last Star Wars he was in when Darth Vader threw him down that long thing. So with that, they just kept cloning him. But it's like, you know, they kind of ruined the Force. Like, And I know it's a fake movie, so we're, like, getting upset over, like, uh, you know a fictional movie but like I, I think fans want realism still yeah well that's like and once 20, again there's going to be spoilers so there's like big spoilers. if you have not seen the rise of skywalker yet uh just pause the podcast right don't now. get mad at us that's yeah, all i'm gonna say i'm not doing a colby uh but like we're gonna get into some stuff 20 right now. minutes into the movie chewie's dead then 10 minutes later he's not dead like there was not two ships on that planet you made it you got everyone in the theater upset because Chewie died because Ray all of a sudden had this dark power and blew up Chewie and then everyone's like oh what the fuck and then literally 10 minutes later Chewie's alive that to me made no sense it made me angry don't do that to everyone's emotions because it doesn't make any sense I'm angry that um Han so like all these people started just showing up like I get certain force ghosts show up but Han Solo isn't a part of the force so he's not a force ghost so to just show up a regular ghost because that doesn't make any sense is that a new rule we've decided and since you had certain force ghosts show up then of course here comes Luke Skywalker showing up as a force ghost because you're just gonna hit Every person showing up for the fans to just jerk off to because they're each giving them advice. Well, then why didn't Yoda show up as a force ghost? And or just, Kenobi. Yeah. Like, I mean, Obi-Wan was like Luke Skywalker's mentor. Why didn't he get bring him back? Uh, you know, so they've like now people can be brought back. Uh, you know, uh, I just it just doesn't seem like. I, don't know. I mean, the first three Star Wars were so good. And by the first three, I mean the middle three, because that's what he showed us first. Like the 77th Star Wars was actually the fourth one. So, I mean, he 
George Lucas must have been on the good drugs to say, I'm going to show no, you Metal 3. he did it like that because he knew they didn't have the technology in the 70s to make an accurate version of the first three because these are based off books. The first three books. So he did it out of order knowing that in film we'd have better technology to do the first three. I mean, I, well, who am I to argue? Later. It's a billion-dollar empire. Uh, I'm just saying it's just kind of weird to like, I mean, I would have rather seen the first three first than you kind of get, like, some things. But, you know, the last couple I've just checked out on. I mean, I really don't think there's been a good one since, uh, uh, you know, the original three. Like, Also, I always knew Kylo Ren would end up good because you're just like, come on. And now all of a sudden he's good because his mom committed suicide just so he would lose the battle against Ray, And I also feel like that part where they kissed, I knew they were going to kiss. It was kind of weird because you were like, are they cousins? I'm not sure. But then I feel like they could have had this weird forced sexual tension for a hot second and just thrown each other around and stuff, but they didn't. They wasted that good opportunity, which is lame. Yeah, I mean, this just this reminds me, and I think I told you this a couple of days ago, it reminds me of the Guns N' Roses album, uh, Chinese democracy where you just had 17 years to make it after use your illusion albums were done. Uh, and then Axel, it just literally sounded like an album that was made with 10 guitar players, eight drummers, six bass players, two, two, however many keyboard players. And it was just like, this album should have been a lot better. Yeah. Like, and like, I think they were just trying to do too much with this one and like placate the new people, placate people like me, uh, you know, I mean, the Chewbacca scene made no sense. Uh, his death scene, because there weren't two ships. So, uh, you know, and then they give Chewbacca his medal finally from the very first Star Wars that, you know, that was a big thing with Star Wars fans, myself included, why he didn't get a medal at the end of the ceremony. And then they just have this throwaway scene where someone gives him his medal. And it's like, well, what, what is that? Why, why is he getting it now? And, you know, Lando Calrissian kind of being creepy with the uh, the the other black stormtrooper. Uh, he was like, "What is it? Like, is he me tooing her? What, what what the hell?" I think that basically meant see you on Disney Plus because they're gonna try to do another series because the Mandalorian's doing so well. Yeah, shout out to Tate Fletcher for killing it in the uh, Mandalorian. Uh, me and Chandler don't have Disney Plus, but uh, we're working on that. Uh, we have Apple TV now, so yeah, but we don't have a TV to put it on uh, upstairs. So, uh, Tate Fletcher, uh, the legend of uh, the Joe Rogan podcast and uh, UFC, he was on the first season, I think, of The Ultimate Fighter, uh, was awesome in the uh, very first scene of the very first episode of. Uh, and when did uh, Luke Skywalker also turn into Dave Grohl? Like, oh, this reminds me of another thing. What? I like how all of a sudden they just decided. So, what made Princess Leia qualified to to uh, train Jedi's? And then they show that they're like, "Oh, we should answer this real quick." So then they made that quick snippet towards the end of her fighting when she was younger with Luke to be like, "See, she learned how to fight as a Jedi." And then they gave Ray her sword or her lightsaber, and she was like, I don't want this, and then gives it back. It's just like, what is happening right now? I mean, I wish they would have hired, and I know this isn't going to happen on a mil Who knows how much m money this movie costs to make? I'll guess over $100 million. Uh, 
But I, I think it would be better if they had like a Star Wars super fan in the room uh, telling J.J. Abrams. They and, were supposed to. His name is J.J. Abrams. But I mean, like, not uh, obviously J.J. Abrams isn't going to listen to some fan from a convention. But like there's people out there that would like probably intern on this movie just to be around it. Uh, who say, well, no, that didn't happen. Well, Han Solo wouldn't be in this movie. It was a $200 million movie. To make it. Yeah, but it, it worldwide it's almost made a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. So I don't think they're going to put a fan in charge of uh, the developing the movie, but like, there's so many fans that would be good to tell the executives, well, this wouldn't happen like that. And well, Han Solo wouldn't be a Force ghost because he had nothing to do with the Force. Uh, you know, Chewbacca wouldn't get his medal in this movie because... Uh, so it, He didn't do anything. Well, I mean, it's a throwback to fans being pissed ever since that why didn't he get a, a medal in the closing ceremony of the original Star Wars, which I was one of them. But I think the star of the movie was Poe, the guy who's like essentially the new Han Solo. Which I was confused. And yeah. Carrie Russell. Yeah, I love Carrie Russell, Felicity, uh, and uh, American, uh, the Americans. Uh, yeah. But, like, even that kind of seems shoehorned in there, like their weird love. Trying, maybe that's just because you missed the other movies. Well, yeah, I did. It, so, and, you know, I, I didn't like how they tried to make Poe, like, the new Han Solo, because there was a reference to a spice run, which I believe is what Han Solo did. Yeah. So it's kind of like, at one point I was like, is that Han Solo? Or, no, he's dead. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, I'm not, listen, I get confused very easily in movies. And then you realize Han Solo's kid was kylo ren yeah yeah so i was like okay that, that can't be on so but like he dressed like him yeah. like you know and he looked like him uh nothing against the actor i just uh i don't know it just i mean i don't think jj abrams cares what i think about this movie but you know they're almost in a position of like gyms gyms don't care if you come or go they know there's 10 people tomorrow gonna sign up yeah, but you got to be careful with that stuff because people thought that about the Joker and then look at uh, the the one that was in Suicide Squad. What's his face? Uh, Jared Leto. You know, people just destroyed him, so. Yeah, well, he got fucked. You know, I, I think he was told you'd be in the next one and then that didn't happen. And, I mean, I guess it all worked out in the end, yeah. you know, for uh, Joaquin Phoenix. But, uh, you know, that even shows you how brutal Hollywood is when Jared Leto is a pretty big star. He gets fucked over. Uh, you know, he's probably promised, yeah, we'll get you in the next one. You know, J.J. Abrams didn't really, hasn't really directed much either. He's a big producer, but he's only done Star Trek and two Star Wars. So, you know what, J.J., maybe you're just better as a writer-producer. Well, I, I mean, I just think that, uh, no, this probably speaks to my age or the gen, you know the generation that I grew up with like the reason why I didn't like the Miami Vice movie uh, is they didn't really pay tribute to the TV show like and Michael Mann did it he did both so uh you know in that case I'm not saying you have Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx wearing you know pastels and like you have uh, you know flock of seagulls playing in the background of the movie but uh I just think this Star Wars, you know, the problem with the franchise recently is it didn't really pay tribute to the 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 or the OG Star Wars, and so that pissed off the old fans, and then you know, which was why like stuff like Jar Jar Binks happened, and which yeah. I, I didn't really hate that much. I mean, but 
you know, I think unfortunately for J.J. Abrams and anyone else who gets their hands on these movies to direct or produce or to write is uh, those first three were so good. Like Darth Vader still stands up as the best bad guy of all time to me. You know, Chewbacca is a great character. You know, Hansel, great character. Leah, I mean, C-3PO, go on and on. I don't think the characters of the last couple movies hold up. Hmm. I mean, as a millennial, I mean, you probably like the new, the newer ones versus like. No, they're really bad. Well, I, I think really, the problem though is like I like the third Star Wars, which is like the sixth movie, right, the Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I like that one the best with the Wookies, the Ewoks. Yeah, those little teddy bears. Yeah, it, those it, are my favorite things. That was my favorite movie when I was little. But like even though that, that that example is is like the Ewoks were so great as a character, uh, you know that they're I think they're having trouble creating memorable characters, new new characters uh, in the last say I don't know I don't know how many newer. I think st- they did too many spinoffs too to where it got confusing. Yeah, I mean uh, they've never created that next Darth Vader. They've tried like Darth Maul. Uh, I mean, Boba Fett to a degree, although he was, you know, in uh, Return of the Jedi um, and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I, I think that's the key. Like, I didn't hate anyone in Rise of Skywalker. I didn't. I mean, I guess the Emperor, but he's an old, he's an older character they brought back. Like, like uh, Kylo Ren's goon squad. Like, you didn't really hate them. Like, mm-hmm. like kind of like how I felt about. Uh, Roger Ailes. I'm yeah. just kidding. Uh, he would have been a good Star Wars guy. Jabba the Hutt. There you go. But Jabba the Hutt couldn't be in this one. Because uh, he's like, dead. But like uh, Creed 2, I didn't really hate Drago's son. He was just there. He was the big mm. Russian kid. You know, like in the original Rocky, you hated Drago. He's like a piece of shit Russian. I just think there aren't good bad guys anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what sinks or swims any uh movie and, and tv show uh that that i like you know i think that's why marvel movies right now are doing better because the bad guys are better or like dc i think personally dc bad guys are better than marvel bad guys but marvel superheroes are better than dc superheroes what's uh I just think a bad guy is, um, or a girl can be, you know, sometimes like uh, in uh, Animal Kingdom, uh, you would say that Smurf is a bad girl. Yeah. Uh, you either, you root for them or you have, they give you so much anxiety when they die, you have a, you take a, a, a breath of relief. Like what? they're supposed to give you some kind of emotion. What goes back to pro wrestling? Uh, you know, you look at the the most popular bad guys. There's always an antagonist and a protagonist. But you know, like the good bad guys, like a Rick Rude, you hated him, but you you almost rooted for him because he was kind of funny. Because you like to see your favorite bad guy fight your favorite good guy. Yeah, it, it's like uh, you know Star Wars. I mean, I can't say you liked Darth Vader in the first couple because uh, he was so. He was just awesome as a bad guy. Like he was so powerful, and and James Earl Jones' voice was just so amazing. Like, you know, he's still the voice of CNN. Well, that's like the 
Joker, the one that we saw with Heath Ledger and Christian Bale as Batman, that's why he is an iconic bad guy for that franchise is when you see him, you see crazy. You see manipulation. You see all the evil things that are in people. You see him so bluntly that person, so transparently vile, and you root for him, but you also root for Batman because you're like, this person is a terrible person. Like when he's like, my favorite line that I kept saying over Christmas was when they're like, you think you can just steal from us and get away with it? And he's like, yeah. It's because there are people like you, you want to watch that. You want to watch something so evil get to a climax that finally, oh, thank God Batman's coming in to save. I don't know. No, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, Robocop, classic, you know, uh, Kurtwood Smith was an amazing bad guy. Uh, and it happened a lot with 80s movies, uh, you know, specifically where the bad guy was almost the star of the film. Um, you know, most action movies, you know, the lead is is probably not the best actor, you know, Von Damme, Seagal, Schwarzenegger, uh, but the bad guys carried it. Uh, so, um, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, if you're asking for a recommendation of Rise of Skywalker, I, go I mean, see it just to complete your thing. Yeah, I mean, if you're an OG Star Wars fan like me, I think you'll be disappointed. Uh, if you're a millennial uh, Star Wars fan like Chandler, um, you know, I, I, you, you probably will like it more just because you're not as attached to the original three as like I am. Um, I think it's definitely a generational uh, aspect. Uh, I don't know, because my little brother saw it, and he was like, man, this is trash. Yeah, your little brother. And my little brother's 22. But he's a rare, younger, super fan. fan. Like He knows more about Star Wars than I do. He got engaged over the holiday at Star Wars Land in Disney, so... So that goes to show you how big of a Star Wars fan he is. I think he got engaged in like the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's pretty cool. Uh, but we got engaged in our house. <laughs> yeah. I threw the ring at her. No, I'm just he kidding. really did. Um, True love, guys. So uh, Chandler, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Chandler Barbie Skagel. Just kidding. At Chandler Barbie on everything. And that's a B A R B E E, not like the Barbie doll. And uh, you know me, I'm at Earl Skakel everywhere. Uh, listen to the uh, Lovely World podcast and then listen to this one. And, uh, you know, we're back bigger than ever in January. We're going to have some special surprise guests, a couple cast members from Vanderpump Rules. Watch that. The, of course, this will uh, be out uh, two days later, but uh, there's they Bravo repeats their shows fairly often. So the new season of Vanderpump Rules is tonight. Uh, they brought in some new cast members, which I said they're going to start probably having to do because I think the the OG cast has fucked everyone. So they conveniently had a Ferrari f- drive into the pump restaurant right before the premiere. Hmm. Hmm. Suspicious. So uh, watch that tonight, and uh, I think the new season of Ink Master starts tonight. So this is my favorite time of year because all the new TV shows come back in January. Chicago PD and I think uh, Law & Order SVU. Uh, 
So, uh, you know. Thanks, guys, for listening. We're going to boxing class to work on our bodies. Yeah, they don't give me, uh, they don't give us any freebies, but we're going to Rumble Boxing in West Hollywood. Uh, it's a good workout. It's good to hit the bag and kick ass. And we might have some Rumble trainers on next week. Uh, so uh, I apologize for the last probably seven, eight months of my enthusiasm waning a little bit uh, on the podcast. But, uh, you know, it's back. I uh, hope to do it at back least. Back for more. You turn away. You're back for more. And listen to the Stephen Piercy podcast. Uh, that was a couple episodes ago. He was nice enough to come back. Uh, Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's not that difficult. It takes 30 seconds, and uh, I appreciate the support. And uh, we'll see you uh, next week with uh, a guest of an unknown origin. Yeah!